Hey, everybody, this is John Semper Jr. I was the producer and head writer of Spider-Man the Animated Series, and you are listening to the amazing Spider-Talk, and I'm really sorry that Peter never met up with Mary Jane at the end of the series. No, really, seriously, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry that that happened. Sorry. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Man, you are full of energy today, Mark. <laughs> Just for the second there. <laughs> wait, wait till we get to the comics, then we'll see. <laughs> All right. I, I won't hold you to it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the 15th episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you guys enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, and for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number 15, which I think for real now is the final issue of Spider-Verse, right? This, this, this is no longer up for debate, right, Can, I, can I hold you to that, Mark? Yes. Maybe that's why I had such energy. I know what's coming. It's it. The end. The end. And, of course, that, that issue is by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comancoli. Um, in terms of other stuff in this episode, we'll read your comments and email, give away some prizes, discuss a little teeny bit of spider news, and conclude with a discussion of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, number 38, by uh, J. Michael Straczynski and John Ramita Jr. Of course, if you hear... Our favorite sound in the world. Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. When the show started, you might have heard something new and something maybe a little different. And that's because we announce, are announcing the winner of our theme song competition. And uh, the winning song is the song you heard at the beginning of the show by Ryland Bojack. So, uh... Congratulations to Ryland. Congratulations, Ryland. Thank you so much for contributing to this amazing song, and we'll be sure to plug your theme every chance that we can, right, Dan? Absolutely. And um, I wanted to thank everyone who voted and emailed in. It was a really hotly contested poll, and uh, Magic's uh, hip-hop theme came in a close second. So, you know, it really came down to the wire there. So thanks again to all of our competitors and those who wrote in. In fact, it was so close, I think I'm actually going to use his hip-hop outro at the end now. So we can, everybody kind of won in a weird way. Yes, and the good news is we get to remove the stink of Sony's The Amazing Spider-Man 2 theme from our intro, right, Dan? Please tell me that's gone. <laughs> uh, a little bit behind the scenes. The, when I changed that at the launch of the new podcast, Mark was not so happy about that. No, I no. <laughs> I think the email to me went something like, "When I think of Spider Man, I don't think of trumpets." Yeah, it was just like one of those things where 
I just remember upon seeing that movie and saying, oh, man, even the score was way off. And then, like, you know, listen to the next podcast. I'm like, oh, come on, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I kept it just to spite you, Mark. I think you did. I think you did. I'm going to have to enter it into the middle of your conversations (laughs) in the show sometimes. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of spite, Dan, why don't we get to Amazing Spider-Man 15? Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. All right, Mark, Amazing Spider-Man 15. Wow, what an issue. Uh... <laughs> There, yeah. There's simultaneously so much going on and, like, nothing going on. Yeah, you know, I, 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 not that I want to get away from what actually happened, but I just I, – I felt like now that we're at the official end of Spider-Verse, I wanted to mention the fact that the very first issue of Spider-Verse, uh, one of the prologue issues, Superior Spider-Man number 32, that came out more than six months ago, Dan. That was, like, the first week of August. Uh, so, that, you know, actually, for those listening to the podcast now, that's almost seven months ago now. And uh, I've almost graduated from grad school. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot has changed. Um, you know, we have a new House of Representatives. Well, no, House of Representatives was still Republican, but the Senate's Republican. Uh, some other things going on in the world, you know, ISIS. And, you know, there was a movie about North Korea that got shut down. But Spider-Verse lasted through all of that and literally ends where it starts, at least in terms of uh, Superior Spider-Man's story. <laughs> I mean, you know, quite quite frankly, his story went nowhere. Um, Dan, I guess to give this comic some credit, um, it attempts to tie up some loose ends. Um, though I just felt that a lot of these loose ends also felt very reactionary and unearned. Um <laughs> What's 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 your biggest takeaway here? Well, it's funny you feel that way because there's not enough time to really be reactionary in in unless you're doing it like months later in in comic book publishing. Um, yeah. So it's almost like Dan Slott wrote an earlier part of the script and was like, "I can anticipate people being being upset about this, so let me answer it with uh, a little thing here." Um, yeah. I mean, again, like I. I when I first read this and I wrote my review, I think I was a little more positive. And then I read your review, which was pretty negative. And then time has just kind of sat on because we had to delay the recording of the show. And yes, I, I had a flooding bathtub. I apologize, people. <laughs> Mark, Mark texted me like 10 minutes before the show, like, my house is flooding. Can we delay this? <laughs> I kind of wanted to say no. <laughs> Just so we could do a podcast as like your uh, your microphone starts floating away from you. This is Spider Man, not Aquaman, Dan. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so um, anyway, but like I, I realized over the past week since this came out, I've like not thought about this issue at all. Um, so we'll see how foggy I am on it recording this show. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, okay. So you know, let's let's talk about. A couple other good things first, I guess. I mean, I wasn't totally negative. I mean, my negativity stems more from the fact that, you know, in terms of a general product, this this storyline did very little to advance anything, in my opinion. 
But, you know, in terms of, you know, tying up loose ends, you know, I think the big one that they got out of the way towards the very beginning was a kind of a resolution to Mayday uh, Parker's story. Um, although, as someone did point out to me on my site, you know, like, they still kind of glossed over the fact, like, hey, your dad's dead. Um, but, hey, Mary Jane's alive and your boyfriend is. And, and Uncle Ben from the Toxic Universe is going to stay with you, which... I guess makes sense, although that that does strike me as a bit odd, right? I mean, you know, do we do we have multiversal mixing and matching of families? Is that is that you know kosher, Dan? I don't know. Uh, how much do we trust this guy that let his entire universe die? Right. Well, you know, but he's holding the baby. You got to see the baby. I thought, it was, I thought it was kind of a charming moment. I mean, it like a, that, that's it, though. It was a charming moment, and and I do feel like if this is indeed the last we see of Mayday, and you know that all talk from Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends aside about you know another shot at Spider Girl, I do kind of feel that this was kind of the end for that. She arc. became Spider Woman. Yes. Well, because the world she, needed more Spider Women. Well, you know. Yeah, you know, she she you know it's that time where a girl must become a woman, and in this case, it was when she got her father's old costume. I did uh, like I did like whether this is intentional or not that um, Anya later in the issue is like, you know what, I don't want to go back to Earth be- or like the Marvel universe because there's already enough Spider Women there, and we also saw the birth of a new Spider Woman in this issue. So, I mean, yeah. she couldn't be more on point. Right. Well, keep in mind, one of those spider women is actually a spider Gwen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I did appreciate Mayday's story. I mean, of course, you know, a part of it is, I think, outside of people who were hardcore fans of the MC2 universe, I don't know. I, I don't know if that whole moment felt earned because, you know, earlier in the story, Mayday was kind of, you know, yes, yeah, she went through the ringer as Peter had to tell us, but like, you know, I especially felt like the team up issue, which, which had, which was written by DeFalco and friends. I mean, yeah, she was kind of coming across as petulant and bratty a little bit about, you know, like, these are my problems. And I, you know, like, so the fact that she kind of got this happily ever after, again, if he had a larger appreciation for the character and, you know, her years of history, I think you'd be satisfied by that. But if you, we're just coming to this character for the first time in this story. I, I, you know, I don't know if that whole thing would have an impact on you. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I haven't read her entire like back catalog. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've read chunks of it, but not the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, I've enjoyed what I've read uh, a great deal. Um, I, and I thought this moment was, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you, if this is the end of a good story, it'd be really satisfying. I think, I just don't think that her story through Spider-Verse was particularly moving or satisfying. Um, but if we're just looking at this moment, I'd say, like, that's probably a really – it's a nice way to send the character off, graduating Peter's costume and, and things like that. Yeah. So we had that. We got another um, Spider-Man auto showdown in this issue. This one actually thought – well, <laughs> I, I thought – it was shaping up to be even better than the first one. But, like, first of all, it was very strange. Did you, did you find it odd how, like, the other characters were kind of narrating over the two of them fighting? Well, the pacing in this issue is just disastrous. Yeah, but it was just kind of like, like you know, like Miguel – it was like Miguel talking to Gwen about, oh, well, you know, what happens the first time? And it's just kind of like 
this is really weird framing of this of this subplot. Like it's just like both visually and narratively. <laughs> like, you got like maybe- P- Peter climbing up there, and all of a sudden, like I guess he was tangled in webs. Yeah, and, and he's like, I'm I'm old, and I uh, or like I'm weak, and I I can't get up there. But then, like a second later, he's punching Otto in the face and winning. And you're like, so what is it? Is he weak or is he strong? Yeah, I mean that was definitely there was no commitment to one or the other there. Um, and and also, I mean, like you said it visually, but like I think the like because the the setting is this kind of nebulous dark zone with weird pillars and webs there's not a lot of like real grounding to the right. environment so i was reading it and i was like what is happening this is just really awkwardly framed and and, and constructed visually like not common coley's finest moment i was gonna say i mean uh, we 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 have we loved we've been loving common coley for a while now but yeah this this definitely felt like a step back i think he had a different anchor this time around for whatever that's worth um but i mean on top of that i mean because you could say that the dreamscape that you know from superior spider-man 9 that was the ryan stegman issue was kind of nebulous and kind of sure fluid but that was a beautifully done issue in terms of the visuals you know what i mean like it just you know like to me, that still kind of like stands head, you know, in terms of a Peter Otto showdown. That to me always will stand out. Um, but you know, like I guess, I guess what I liked about this, the two of them squaring off this time around was like there was this kind of level of unpredictability with Otto. I agree. Uh, I, I, I like I assumed that Otto would find a way to like keep himself alive, and we can talk about that in a minute. Um, so I thought, like, what's going to happen here? Like, is he going to destroy something or insert himself somewhere else and, like, deal with weird time travel mechanics in the Marvel Universe? So that was exciting to me. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, as you said, the payoff, not so much, right? I mean, it just, like, I, it, it's, you know, if, if ever there was an instance to take a risk and do something completely different with real consequences, I thought this was it. And instead we have... Otto rematerializing from the scene at a superior Spider-Man number 19. I'm assuming this was drawn by Kamakoli this time, although he kind of aped Stegman's style a little bit, I guess. Or did they just reprint the same frame and the same? It's Kamakoli um, doing Stegman. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's it, even a um, uh, a dialogue change. That's right, because they said it's not 2013, right? Was yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so I mean, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think <laughs> I wrote like. Otto literally went back to the beginning, and and you can say literally here because it's 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 literary. <laughs> it's not it's not superfluous use of the word literal, literally here. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the definition. And they have to like get in a, a little line that's like, oh, and the process of getting there will scramble your brain, and you're like, really? Right. So um, I mean, I'm in two camps on this because one, like. I'm glad that it adhered to time travel logic yeah. to a certain extent, and I didn't want to see a cheat where it's like, oh, you know, he got out of this. But I would have liked in, if in the process, like, yeah, he destroys the great web and stuff. But for worlds that we don't even see, like, being blinked out, like, and when right. we do see one that gets blinked out, the, the uh, Captain Britain Spider-Man 
um, right. it's not because of him. It's because of yeah, yeah secret war and secret incursions. Wars, yeah, yeah. So there was no consequences of him taking that action unless it's like the death of the Master Weaver. Which let's get to that revelation. Right. So you know, and this is you know, you you've been joking all along, Dan, about the mechanics of time travel in this story, and I would say. This one just was kind of like so. The, the Master Weaver is revealed to be Karn from the future, right? Yeah, and like, it's kinda, and it's like you know, it's almost like this is Norman Osborn with face transplant surgery. I mean, it was like that level of reveal. Dan Slot not doing so hot with reveals the last year or so. Would you say? Well, the funny <laughs> thing is that he like they even say, "Oh, I thought this might be someone that we knew under here," which is like. I read that as like a meta-textual comment that the fan about sp- fan speculation, right? But if you're going to do that, then actually give us something interesting. Like, Karn takes the place of himself. That literally means nothing happened. Yes, again, again, nothing happened. And and you know, I again, this was a a missed opportunity to me, a missed opportunity. And I, like, don't ask me to explain the mechanics of this with her getting her own series, but. You know, for a second there, I thought they were going to do, they were going to throw us a curveball because they're kind of setting it up like only Silk would be able to take over. You know, like oh, you know, she's you know she's gonna she's gonna have to stay behind, and you know, like I said, of course she's getting her own series, so you know they need to feature her in New York, heaven forbid. But it was like, hey, you know, maybe this character would finally have to like you know learn the consequences of her actions and you know do something you know for other people for a change. But no, total bailout, right? Yeah, I I mean I don't know. It's like I don't know what they would have actually had done with it. But then why even presented it that way? You know, like Silk Silk was like kind of you know this this higher power to to stay behind and and be the be the master weaver. But no, not really because Karn can do it because it's Karn from the future who was doing it. Which is whatever. <laughs> can we talk about the nature of like? All the Spider-Man just returning back to their worlds. Like, there's a, an image of them just going through all the different portals and like being like, "Bye, bye." And to me, when I read it, I was like, "Oh, it's like they're all like leaving the party, like to go home, like after a fun weekend or whatever." And, uh, yeah, but in reality, it's lambs to a slaughter right now because you know Secret Wars is gonna, you know, it's the pizzas colliding, you know. <laughs> like, well, it, so I, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Although even that so, is in question. So the party is short lived. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like, right? No. I what I what I don't understand is like, where is the reverence for all the death that occurred? Well, what death? <laughs> it's amazing, Spider Spider Man is amazing friends. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they could even Kane, them, I guess. Kane is dead. Kane is alive. <laughs> Let's talk about that because we were joking last episode about Kane coming back. They couldn't even give him six months. <laughs> like, he says he's busted out after two issues. And the best thing is it's the same exact reveal of his last rebirth where he's bursting out of something. Kane is alive. Oh, wait, no. I'm mistaking myself. It's the same as his past two deaths because he died in his yes. own series and he died Correct. in Grim Hunt. Correct. So... Viva Kane. You cannot kill Kane. Now he's like multi-dimensional Uh-oh. traveler Kane. 
And again, it's not that I want Kane to be dead. I like Kane. I, I wish they could figure out something to do with Kane. I wish, I wish the first, you know, dozen or so issues of Scarlet Spider could, you know, be done again in some fashion. But you know, you you wanted to set establish, you know, consequences, and you know, like one of the three main, the three main whatever you call them, the the totems of life or whatever. <laughs> you killed one of them, and yet no, you didn't. It's just like uh. <laughs> so. So I mean, what what is the actual body count? It's MC two Peter, uh, Spider Man and his amazing friends. A couple you know, Spider Man Rain. I'm sorry, Dan. It's I think he, he's still dead. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks. For what else, in, Mark? I mean, there well, were people here and there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm remiss to think of them now because I didn't care much about them. Right. I mean, 1602 Spider-Man and, you know, people we were never going to see again. Yes. Um, Spider-Man Noir is alive, though you thought he was dead. Yeah, I I mixed that up. I thought it was a little weirdly, like, they left him behind in a universe that the the inheritors were coming to. So I, I, I don't know. I thought that was confusing. But, um... Yeah, speaking of the inheritors, we get a little aside to them. And this is what I thought was reactionary, and I agree that obviously there was no time for a reaction to be written into this. But this kind of addressed all the complaints that this this subplot got from Amazing Spider-Man 14, right? Yes. Um. Which was I, you want me to continue? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm jumping on like, your words here. I don't know what more to say. It's, it's, yeah. It was a, 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 a seemed like a response to that, though it couldn't have been. But like, it opens up more questions. So first off, they're eating these spiders from the from the team up issue, um, right? But aren't those spiders radiated? Yes, but there's enough totemic energy. I don't know. It's, it's it. This still seems like a very harsh sentence and a pretty lame way to remove them. But you know they're still around, so I guess Spider Verse the sequel, right? I mean, you know, print your tickets now. I'm just hoping uh, that they can they like start cannibalizing each other in there, and only, <laughs> and like only Morlin comes out, and he's the old Morlin that we like. Yeah, <laughs> the old Morlin that we like. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to like. What else can we talk about, Dan? <laughs> I don't know. I think, um, I think. Well, let's talk about Otto and his little moment of uh, Anna Maria talking. Okay, what you, do you can think? you can take this one. I'm trying to remember it, Dan. <laughs> Why don't you go first? <laughs> oh yeah, you don't remember this moment? He's like. Knocked down, about to get sent back, and he talks into his little machine, and he says, "Like, uh, go silent for a hundred days." Right. Which means, like, that that thing is going to be reactivated at some point. I imagine. Right, right, right. And Otto's going to find a way to come back, or I mean, we still don't know where his corpse is. Although, I don't know. There's a million ways they could bring him back. They could clone Peter and put his mind in there, or. Whatever you know, device they invent to, in order to bring him back, who knows? But to me, that's like a very like 
Well, I'll put this in here just in case I ever want to bring bring him back via whatever reasoning. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at this point, like, the impact of Otto's return, what's going to be the impact? You know what I mean? Like, uh, at this, you know, this story was kind of his return, but it wasn't because of this nebulous time travel stuff that only his character, that only applied to his character and now apparently Karn. Uh, <laughs> but it was like, I mean, does anyone really care at this point what happens to Otto? I mean, it's just like, I think I said this in my Spider, my Amazing Spider-Man 14 review where I was like, you know, I don't even know if I'd be, if I'm enraged or happy about Otto because it's, I just like the character feels so neutered from what he was more than a year ago in Superior that, that, you know, what's the difference at this point? You know, like. I mean, do you what, ever want to see. What kind of havoc is this going to cause? Do you ever want to see Spider Man fight Otto Octavius again? I mean, like any writer. Like, I, that, that's really what it's doing is opening up, like, the possibility for him to fight that character again. I'm all for villains dying and staying dead. Yeah, I mean, I know that death and resurrection is just part of the game, but, like, I feel like. This game is just, I don't know, like, kind of reminds me of what Marvel did with Hawkeye in the mid-2000s, like with House of M and stuff. Like, you know, he got killed during Disassemble, but then he was brought back in House of M, but it was an alternative version. And then he was killed again, but, you know, House of M ends and his his costume and his bow and arrows are hanging so he was kind of alive, but then we didn't see him again for a while, and then he sleeps with Wanda, which was weird. Uh, <laughs> did, you read the, did you read New Avengers during this period, Dan? Or, I did or am read I, am up I... to the point where he slept with Wanda. That's new to me. Yeah, yeah. He like went to was it Wundagar Mountain, Wundagar, <laughs> and and she said, you know, an, an amnesiac, and he's all like ready to confront her, and she doesn't remember a thing, and then apparently they spend the night together. You know, like you do. In the throes of passion. You murdered me, but now I got you back. <laughs> Not one of Bendis' finest moments. Um, I but, guess the last thing to talk about is Peter's return to, to Earth. Wow, are you cutting, cutting me off? <laughs> Talking about my analogy with Hawkeye and Otto? Oh, no, no, no. I thought you, you already made your point. But go no, ahead. Please no, continue. <laughs> Just, just to put the exclamation point on my point. Uh, no, I'm just saying that, like, it, I think when they eventually brought Hawkeye back for real, it, it, it just didn't feel – it didn't have an impact because of all this tap dancing around his resurrection that they did. And I feel that's what's what we're getting with Otto here. It's like, okay, hmm. go silent for 100 days and then what? You know, he's going to come back and, and, and do what? You know, like fight Peter again, be on his side, be – I mean we still don't know what the heck happened to his body. You know, where is that, that, that's going to be a subplot that Dan Slott's going to like suddenly reference five years from now and be like, you see, it's the long game. Well, Mark, I want to talk about Peter's return because something about this like – forced revelation really bothered me and it's funny because i read your review and i think we had like two paragraphs that were like nearly identical in our reviews despite not like 
you know, like talking about this with each other. And it's that like, Oh yeah. Peter, I never felt like Peter couldn't lead um, his company because he just didn't know how to be a leader or like wasn't confident about being a leader, but, but because he was completely like inept, like he just didn't know that there were problems. Like, you know, he just wasn't smart enough or self-aware enough to realize that things were going bad. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he he couldn't lead a company a company because he's Peter frickin' Parker. <laughs> what is he, what business does he have running a, his own, you know, technology company, you know? Like he's not he's not a a CEO. He's not C- CEO material. He's, you know, the guy who, you know, can never keep a steady job and, you know, had to resort to taking photographs of of himself to make a living, you know. So, <laughs> I I I agree. It, it just seemed. I mean, you know, the the problem with this, among other things, I mean, it's twofold. I mean, first of all, like we always all we keep getting in terms of Peter's leadership is lip service to his leadership. Like, I mean, they had that scene earlier where Jessica Drew was like. Ah, so you're being real a big leader now. Oh yes, I'm a leader now. It's like, what is that? Like, it's it's like, this is terrible. Like, that's really shoddy writing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I mean, talk about like telling and not showing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they they again they're just spelling it out for you. Like, Peter's a leader now. And then, like you said, this reflection at the end is just so forced, and 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 it and it's not even congruous with. What we know about the character and his and his situation leading up to it, not even to mention the fact that I don't really. Have you been thinking about the state of Parker Industries throughout the entire part, uh, Spider Verse? I mean, like, of all the things to have to address from the Superior Spider-Man era, it seems like Parker Industries is the only thing that Marvel is interested in talking about. Well, it seems like it's about to be destroyed. <laughs> Either way, yeah. But I mean, seriously, like you know, the fact that he killed somebody is odd when he was Superior Spider-Man, or the fact that he fought with the Avengers, fought with this person and that person was you know set up a surveillance a surveillance system around the city. I mean, those things got touched upon briefly, but Parker Industries—that's that's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, it's all very odd. Although I will admit. That it was really refreshing to see New York and a Spider-Man comic again. I even wrote in my notes, wow, it's really refreshing to see Julia Carpenter again. And I have never said that. <laughs> That's not true. You, if you read the original Secret Wars, I bet you would like Julia Carpenter a okay, lot. Okay, all right. Julia Carpenter as Madam Web. Okay. I know Rhodey Rhodes likes Spider Woman in Secret Wars. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Have you read Secret Wars? I have. Yeah. Like there's like this one scene where like Rhodey is all like, "Check out the legs on her," and I'm like, "Jim Shooter, you're weird." (laughs) (laughs) I I don't Um, know how this reminds me, but there is something else I wanted to talk about. Um, Sure. There, there's a moment where like the web is being destroyed, and they make reference to the fact that like their spider sense is going to go away or be weakened. Yes, you, is that did that legit happen or like it seems like it just got passed over? Well, it's weakened allegedly, and I think Slot has kind of reaffirmed that on on Twitter. 
So we're essentially just getting the same story we got again at the beginning of big time. Like we're officially out of new ideas. We're going back to the well with no spider sense again. Well, yes. Well, because it was good during big time. So it'll be good now because we told Dan Slott said so. Is that what he said? No, I don't. Uh, I'm, just, okay. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. I just let read that. I was like, are we really doing this again? Like it was cool when you did it the first time, but like and, – and it had a great resolution. Yeah. But like really? Like how much does Dan Slott really – like does he stay up at night? It's like, oh, the spider sense. I just got to do something about that. I just – it just it just makes the character so invincible. Like I got to do something about it. You know, I got something. I got an idea for him. What would happen if Aunt May got sick? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hold on. I know this is crazy. Tell me more, Mark. I want to know more. So Peter has to save Aunt May. And she doesn't have like like a heart attack or something. Like he isn't like afraid that she's gonna have a heart attack if he tells her or something. No, 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 no. This is this is this is serious this time. Like this is really serious. What serious if, is a heart attack. What if in this in this story there were like these robots that were out to hunt down uh Spider Man? Would you call them like slayers or uh I don't know. It needs like another word to be catchy. <laughs> anyway, yes, we have literally gone back to another story again. And so, good job, of, I guess. Speaking of going back to other stories, yeah, we get like how many plugs for different stories in this issue? Yes, well, including what? one that we'll talk about in the news section. What is this? Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One. Right, except without like the funny Dicko Stanley comic at the end. or the diagram of peter parker's house awesome uh maybe we could have gotten the diagram of loom world (laughs) oh boy um can i can i just kind of make one sweeping general thought that i kind of talked about it on on my site well this is this will kind of be like my last bit of commentary on this issue and on spider-verse all right so there was just like this section I, I believe they were still in Loom World when Otto was, you know, doing wreaking his havoc, and like they were all like standing around. First of all, this is there's going to be two thoughts. First of all, can someone? One of I our knew fans, it couldn't just be one. I know, I know. Could one of our fans who has more time than we do go back and count the number of double page panels in Spider Verse of just characters standing? It's like, I, 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 I would I think the number will astound us. <laughs> um, so you know, it was another instance where characters were standing around talking, and Otto was you know slicing and dicing the web of life, and it's like they're just standing there like, oh no, the web of life. It's the fabric of reality. It, it, fabric of reality. He can't do that. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, so after reading, Spider- so do something for- about it. Well, yeah, there's that, but you know. So I've been reading Spider-Man comics for like almost thirty years. It's like, is this is this what it's come to? This like faux philosophical storytelling about fabrics of reality and webs of life, and I mean, like, 
you know, if I want something that's like all heady and up in you know up in the clouds, I'll go pick up Grant Morrison and Multiversity. Because at least Grant Morrison actually, I think, believes what he's writing. <laughs> he actually thinks there's a Matrix out there. <laughs> Grant, Mor- Grant Morrison is from the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, you know, if you're going to do that, be committed to it and don't make it sound like really awful fan fiction. I'm just like, I just like, it's, this is, to me, this isn't Spider-Man comics. It will never be Spider-Man comics. And if this is what Spider-Man comics are going to be, I'm not interested. And if I'm like being old and farty, I apologize. But like, I just like, like it was like, that was kind of the section of this story where I was, well, I kind of have thrown down my comic a few times throughout this story, but I was just like, this is it. This is like, it's unfolding before me. This is, this is this kind of faux philosophical world that was built around this storyline. And and this is where we're at. And I do not care. I I do not care. I had a similar moment. I was, you know, going back and reading some old issues this week and I was reading the, um, the Tom DeFalco, uh, Ron friends issues where, or not, not Ron, not Ron Friends, uh, and not Tom DeFalco. Sorry, I am totally messing up. This David, <laughs> early David Michelini issues, um, where uh, uh, the Spider Slayer comes back. That was what I was looking for earlier. The oh, Spider is Slayer. This, is this when MJ's in Pittsburgh or something like yes, that? Yes, and it was so refreshing because it was really just all about these characters and yeah. her eventual accepting of his proposal. And I was like, you know what? People like hate on that proposal and how fast, but like I bought it. I was like, this is wonderful. Like this is a real character arc and and ended her story. And then I went and read this again, and I was like, Ugh. what? Like yeah. what, what? What am I reading? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like you said, people people kind of killed that story at the time, and. and these are just better written story. It's a better written story than what we're getting now. I mean, like even, even the mediocre stories, because, you know, they're still speaking to these characters and, and, and it's, it's care for these characters instead of these gimmicks and, and premises. I mean, you know, you've a couple of times have called Spider-Verse a fashion show, which I think has been, I think it's the best thing for it. You know, slot apparently gave an interview, um, after this issue came out where like, you know, someone point blank asked him, so what was the theme of Spider-Verse? And it was like that, you know, it kind of played into that whole like the the, the pale reflection speech between Billy Braddock and, and Spider Man India, where it was like, you know, whoever whoever you think is is Spider Man is, is is whoever is your favorite Spider Man is the true Spider Man. That's the theme. It's like it's like none of these characters actually matter. It's just everybody matters, but by making everybody matters, nobody matters. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, it's one thing to say that, and it's another thing to put it into practice. Like, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, there, there, there's, it's, it's just like it's, it's whatever you want it to be. Choose your own adventure. You know, like, like, you know, if you're from India and, and Spider-Man India is your guy, then that's it. And it's like, all right, well, then, then you know what? Like, then you probably just want to read Spider-Man India comics in India because I don't think the character got represented at all in Spider-Verse. It's it's funny, Mark, because I would like think you know maybe we're just being like fuddy duddies and like we're like oh Spider Man should never have these big events, except that the Spider Island event was almost nearly the same plot idea that everybody becomes Spider Man essentially, right? Like, and we love that story, 
So like I, I don't think we can say like, oh, Spider-Man just shouldn't have big events like this or big right. like crazy events. I think I think he can, absolutely. Um, right. I mean like my comparison to the, you know, uh, MJ in Pittsburgh where she's having a scene talking to Gail, her sister in prison, like it's not necessarily fair to want that for every Spider-Man comic. But like of course if, not. Yeah, but if you're gonna go big, then like do it for a reason. Yeah, cool. Because you know the the important distinction, and I know you know this with Spider Island was to me the theme of that story was yes, everyone is Spider Man, but it took Peter Parker to save the day, and we have not had Peter Parker like you know real down to earth Peter Parker, and I, I don't even know when. Probably a like little a year. A little bit in the reboot in the first issue. Yeah. Right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Where we were like, okay, he's back. It's refreshing. I mean, I remember our conversation about that, that ASM1 was like, all right, you know, he's he's got a new lease on life. This is, you know, it, it just seems refreshing to not have all this stress and tension. And then, you know, poof. Yeah. It's like, it's it's been off the rails since. And, and I just, I, I, I've I've said this statement way too many times over the last six months, Dan. It's like I do not get what Dan Slott's aversion to writing Peter Parker is, but it's still there. It's not going anywhere. And um, you know, if if he thinks that you know the his legacy on the Spider-Man book is to make Spider-Mans from all over the world, from all forms of media, be as important as Peter Parker, then you know. He's either got to he's either really got to deliver that or, you know, he can't deliver that by devaluing Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, just not writing him well. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like by, devalue him by not writing him well. Yeah. I, but I, I want to make I want to make the distinction because I don't think he's like being like, oh, Peter Parker's like a sad sack. He's like a terrible character no, like right. it's just yeah. not well written and we saw some people like complaining like oh slot just hates peter parker like i don't no, think he i don't think it's that yeah yeah no. he just, just is like not he, writing him well yeah and and, and it's almost like like i say i use the word aversion but it, it it's like you know like is it boredom i don't know i'm not going to speculate anymore um, Dan, how about a grade? Unless, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think that's it. Look, Mark, we can give our grades and then we can just not talk about this anymore. You got it. It never Love happened it. because there aren't really any ramifications of it happening. No, except maybe sort of kind of spider sense. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't even know if we got a confirmation on that. Anyway, my grade, I'm giving this thing a C. I'm going to give it a D. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> You're right too, Dan, because oh, it's your opinion. I, I hate giving things grades. <laughs> Incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it when I was a high school teacher, and I hate it now. Yeah, I don't ever get to grade things. So Everyone's see. artwork is special. There you go. Oh. Let's anyway. get into our comments and emails, which are from all of you and are all special. Yes, 
your comments and emails, which you know, you all you special people there can can leave us by um, going to our iTunes and Stitcher pages and searching on Amazing Spider Talk. Um, and of course, hopefully, while you're there, you subscribe to our show. Uh, and either way, when you're there, uh, leave us a rating and leave us a comment because it helps us grow our community. And in terms of emails, you can you can find us at amazingspidertalk at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll try and do our best to get to get to any of your questions or comments or just general talking points. Um, I guess uh, in terms of some comments here, this first one is uh, on iTunes. It says "Awesome Show," five stars, uh, five out of five by Com- Computron number two. Love the show; it's very insightful. Uh, and then he starts talking about some spam being on my site, Dan. We're going to look into that. If anyone else is having issues with malware being on your on your computer from my site, if you could send me a notice or email us at spidertalk at gmail.com, amazingspidertalk at gmail.com, I'd love to hear it. I've not heard from anyone else on this. So um, I'm aware that on Android phones, my site has malware, and I'm on it. It should be changed any day now. Yeah. So... Hopefully there will be. Um, what else? Uh, you want to read this other one, Dan? Sure. So this one's on Stitcher, which you know we actually haven't gotten any reviews on Stitcher, so it's nice to see one. And um, that's from Superior Sean, and it says, Freaking Radical! Five out of five. Great show done by two fans who really know what they're talking about. The show sounds nice and professional, and the audio is clear and easy to listen to. Keep up the great work, guys. You may be fans of Spider-Man, but you've made a fan... You oh, hold on, I'm messing this up. But you have made me a fan of you and your show. Now that's good radio. Oh yeah, awesome. Uh, so we got a question from um, Aaron Griffiths. Mark, what is the question? Yeah, Aaron. Aaron writes in, um, you know, about uh, I guess the big hot topic uh, in terms of Spider-Man B titles, which was the debut of Spider Gwen uh, last week, and. You know, Aaron poses kind of an interesting question. I mean, there were all these expectations for Spider-Gwen after that that big debut in Edge of Spider-Verse, and it was kind of like, what happens if the this, the comic doesn't turn out to be all that great? Uh, you know, are we allowed to complain about something that we essentially demanded? And, and Marvel has reminded us multiple times that we demanded it. Um, you know, not every one-shot necessarily translates well to an ongoing. Um you know, Dan, I, I actually like to say I, I really enjoyed the first issue. I know you weren't as impressed with it as I was. Um, but, you know, I thought it did, it did some it's, – its fair share of, like, world building and kind of establishing uh, who these characters are and what their relationships are going to be while still kind of, you know, leaving doors open for other, other things to happen. But, um, you know, I did get a sense that some people were disappointed with this first issue. Yeah. um, I mean I can't speak for everyone about why they may have been disappointed. I mean hype is a hard thing to live up to. Uh, Almost nothing matches your imagination of how great it's going to be. Uh, And uh, we got a bunch of films coming out this year that might test that too, like the new Star Wars film. Um, Or Or the Marvel Comics adaptation of Spider-Man when it finally gets released. Yeah. Or heck, even Avengers 2 in in the summer. You know what I mean? Like uh, after – all the hype that first movie got, I mean, is it going to live up? I mean, who knows? But, um, you know, I think, well, you could always complain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one's ever going to stop you. I mean, I, I guess for me. No one has just, stopped us complaining in a public forum like this. 
No, no. I, I mean, I guess for me, and you know, I kind of tried to make this point on in the in my review for Spider Gwen was just that you know you when you're approaching this book, you do have to kind of come at it from this is an ongoing now. It's not a one shot. I feel like that one shot. You know, Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez, I mean, they were just kind of throwing everything they could at you because they even I mean, they knew they knew this was their this was their one chance to sell you on a character. Um, I don't think they expected it to become a phenomenon like this. But, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, from our podcast, Robbie was talking about getting, you know, the married with sea monsters to like do a song. Like, I mean, like they were doing everything in their power to hook you onto this, onto this character. Now you're hooked hypothetically. So they don't like, not that they don't have to work as hard, but it's like, now I feel like after throwing everything, they're going to tell the story in a more measured way. Absolutely. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. And if you're sitting there being like, where's the energy and the bombast of that edge of spider verse? You're not, I don't think you're going to find it in this. Like, you shouldn't find it in this. You would burn out after like three issues. You know what I mean? Like, I think we complain about that with Dan Slott sometimes. Like, you know, like sometimes it's just, even when the stories are going well, it's just too much. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> your sure. head starts spinning. I wonder so. how much of that bombast, like, really powers that, that issue. Uh, if, I were to, if I were to say what I, I thought was lackluster about this first issue, and I don't expect it to be that first one. I just thought some of the visual storytelling was a little confusing and mm. some of the character motivations were a little confusing. Um, but I'm sure it will get it fleshed out over time as they're allowed to build. And I know that Robbie is like pounding away at drawing this thing on his own. Um, just by following him on, on Twitter, he is a, no, a nonstop workforce. So um, I'm just excited to see this thing grow and, and build to – to a, you know, a, a, I'm imagining it's almost like our our modern day Spider Girl. Like, like you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see how long it lasts, but it'll be fun and interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, and I think it, I mean I think it is geared towards that more youthful audience. Um, and I mean, just in terms of I mean, I know you mentioned Robbie. In terms of Jason Latour, I mean, you know, I I recently read through the first trade of Southern Bastards, which is the uh, image book he's doing with Jason Aaron, and and you know, in terms of like word world building um he's a person that i trust because i think the world that they've built out in that series is just incredible um i mean incredibly real uh and, and frightening frighteningly real but um you know I, I i was talking with someone on twitter and they were mentioning well you know his work on like winter soldier and x-men wasn't as good but like you know yeah at that point he's kind of coming at that he's playing with someone else's toys whereas i feel like this is this is their thing, you know what I mean. So I, I'm going to give them ample room to to go where they want to go with this. So. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's still like one of my most anticipated books to pick up. So yeah, and especially I mean, you know, Spider-Man 2099 is allegedly ending. You know, Silk was the Silk debut. Are you going to eat was, crow publicly here, Mark? I don't know if I'm going to eat crow. I I enjoyed it. I still think, and I said this in my review, and you, I don't know your thoughts. The book doesn't have a hook. No, it doesn't have a hook. Like beyond girl looks for parents, which uh, yeah. I mean, 
you know, when they showed that last panel of like her staring at like the board with, you know, connecting the dots, I, I, I literally, I, I groaned because how many times have we seen that in any kind of, you know what I mean? Like, especially it, in Spider-Man. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, I think we saw it in the amazing Spider-Man too. We did. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like I just, you know, like there's still, there's still no hook to this book beyond the fact that, this is Spider Woman, but it's not Jessica Drew. Well, you know what I mean? for me, the hook is, and and it's not a good enough hook, I don't think. But it's like, oh, this is the character written as she should have been written when she was introduced. Right, right. But in terms of that issue, it was totally readable. I enjoyed it. I'm going to read the next few issues just to see where this is going. The art it's... was beautiful. Yeah, Stacey Lee's art was great. Um. I mean, the character, I felt, I, I liked the character, which I could not say was the case prior to the series. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, okay. She has flaws and she's trying to learn. And, you know, and I. The, her time in isolation actually impacted her. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the flashback stuff with her brother. I, I, I liked the little things with her brother. You know what I mean? Like, there was stuff there that will make me want to read a little bit more. But, like, unless a hook emerges, you know, once we get past this first arc, I don't know what's going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, a comic that I originally wasn't going to read, I'm going to give an arc. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, Alton, stop bothering me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, Mark, let's talk about the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. I almost choked getting that out of there. Yeah, if you can't say it, what, what hope is there for me? Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, joke around the trader, we can show you how to Now is the time of the show where we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate some of their hard-earned money to the show and have opted to join the, wait for it, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Bravo, bravo. I did it. I did it. (laughs) You get a medal, Mark. Quote my three-year-old. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) What did he Uh, do this time? Usually it's something that. Like yes, you did it. Now, 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 stop doing it. <laughs> that's that's usually my response. Um, well, this week we have two members of the club. Welcome to the club, Aaron Griffiths and Kevin Dorsey. Uh, just a, just a little special notion to Aaron Griffith, who kind of who definitely went a well above and beyond um, with his generosity here. Aaron, I mean, thank you so much, and Kevin, obviously, thank you too. Um, for for your donations, uh, and you know, it means a lot and it keeps the show alive. 
So uh, Aaron and Kevin, check your emails because you'll be getting an email from me. And all of the members, please check your email for your free comics. If you'd like to become a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, who I said that pretty fast, and help support the show, please go to our site and click on the giant button that reads, Mark. Friendly Neighbors Talk Spider Mumble Club. No. Ah! Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. One of these days, your, your head is just going to explode like from scanners, and, <laughs> and that's going to be the end of the show. Yes. Good job. So if you ever hear like a popping sound and then the show is over, Mark, uh, his brain exploded while reading bit, the name. I bit the farm, yeah. bought the farm, said something to the farm. <laughs> anyway. What is it with you and farms? All right. What do we got coming up, Mark? We got some spider news, Dan. Let's do it. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? So, people who thought we were done with Spider-Verse... Think again. <laughs> but we thought Spider- we were done with Spider-Verse, Mark. What have you done? I know. No, I, this, is, this is not my fault. Um, there's going to be – I am assuming this is a miniseries. Um, although, I mean, everyone is just being extraordinarily cagey about what's, um, what's an ongoing and what's not for Secret Wars. Uh, there's going to be a Spider-Verse series, um, which is going to feature, it looks like, six characters. If you if, um, you, if from, you didn't miss it while reading the full-page ad for it in the right. past issue. Yeah, but it looks like what? It's going to be like Spider-Ham, Gwen. Noir. Billy Bre- yeah. Is Anya in it? Uh, yes. She's going to be traveling around with uh, with Britain. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Like... In a, in a little story that's 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 like pared down, it could be interesting. And it's Mike Costa, who's the one who wrote the Scarlet Spiders mini uh, for Spider Verse, which was probably the best of all the minis, right? Yeah, I, I'm interested. You know, uh, you know, it could be a fun little like zippy thing that we wanted Spider Verse to be. I'll check yeah. it out for an issue. I just got to say on a tangential note, like. The, the, the announcement of this story and like a few others, like the Secret Wars 2099, um, which is supposed to replace Spider-Man 29, is making me think more and more that Secret Wars is going to be like Age of Apocalypse. I think this is going to be like a four or five month like reset where it's going to make it seem like these are the books and this is the universe now and then we're going to be back to normal again. I, yeah, you know, this, I, I, I that's, you there, Mark. Um. You know, I could be wrong, but I, you know, I just don't see some of these books lasting beyond the duration of Secret Wars. I mean, I think even just the uh, renew your vows solicitation, like, do we honestly expect to get more than six issues of Mary Peter after all the work that they've done undoing that? Right. Like, <laughs> I get a lot of emails about this, like, oh, I can't wait for Mary, Mary Peter. That's what I want to read. And it's like, well, enjoy it while it lasts, because it's probably mm-hmm. not going to. I'm going to say it's probably, you know, going to be a shorter uh, engagement than Spider-Verse was. So. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Uh, but no. Oh. Um, now, Dan, you had a pretty interesting story up on your, on your site this week. You want to mention a little bit? Sure. I mean, there was kind of a lot of internet furor around uh, 
you know, this whole idea that we're getting a new Spider-Man and like some people started asking the question, well, what if he wasn't white? Like what if Peter Parker wasn't white? And not the question of should it be Miles, but like what if we just had an open casting for Peter Parker and he could be anyone? Um, and uh, Dan Slott took to Twitter about this and started talking about his feelings about it, which he said, yeah, it should be an open, open casting call and whoever's the best actor should get the job. And I happen to agree with him and I, and I saw the internet kind of create this kind of like rage uh, about it. Do you think it was a legit rage, Mark? No, I mean like, you know <laughs> – you have this issue where, you know, I think the conversation started in a very sane and rational place, and and once there was some pushback, I mean, you know, it begged it begged the obvious response of you know for those who are like, no, I want I want I want what's in the comic and what's the, you know Peter has to be what you know like once once you start making these kind of you know declarations about a character's race, you know, it it it, it begs. The question is, is a person being racist? And I think, you know, once you throw that word around, it starts this downward spiral. And I know you've dealt with it uh, with this, with the piece, which really was, I thought, excellently written uh, by Brian Jacobs and just totally measured and, and, and very rational and explained everything very well. But, you know, you can look in the comments section and you have you, well, you know, people, you call so-and-so a racist. No, it's, it's not that, but you know, it's, it's addressing this idea of, you know, if, if you think a character who otherwise is not intrinsically linked to any race, I mean, Peter Parker is a, is a middle-class orphan outcast kid from Queens. Right? Does that sound like a good description yeah, of theater? Yeah, I challenge people that like – and if anybody here is listen, listening can give me one example, I, I would love to hear it, of a story where Peter's whiteness affected the outcome or any plot in the story. Right. I mean that's what it – and that's, and that's why we're saying a character like that can be colorblind casting. Yeah. You can't do that. There's a Jimmy Fallon joke where he said, oh, there's going to be a black Spider-Man. Here we have a picture of what that might look like, and it's just a guy in a Spider-Man costume, right? And you can't see his exactly. Skin. You know, this isn't Black Panther. This isn't Luke Cage. And and trying to claim you know the opposites or reverse racism is just is just a straw man argument. Go back and go back and read the histories of those characters and know why racism and learn why their race is important. Yeah. So I mean, I and and the, you know, Mark like, and I, <laughs> Mark and I aren't saying we like like need to have like a black Spider-Man or whatever race, you know, like, Like, or we even need a Peter who has a dark tan, like, okay. Like he went out in the sun for a little long. Um, He could be an Asian. He could be be Asian. He can be Indian. I mean, you know, like we just, we just went through this in this, in this storyline. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're demanding it, but like, why not? Like, and that's the question that this wonderful piece from Brian Jacob, uh, I thought addressed really well. Is you know, especially from him, you know, he put he put it so nicely that you know, when Spider Man was introduced, his interracial marriage would have thrown him in prison. Like, right. times change, and 
And I think, you know, doing an open casting, I mean, I think we can all agree we want the best actor to play Peter Parker. Like, absolutely. And, you know, we, I enjoyed Andrew Garfield in the character. I wish he had better writers behind him. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think you've said this. I mean, I still maintain that Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker and Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man. I, I agree. I agree wholly. And, you know, if we can somehow merge those two together and someone who looks young enough to be in high school, since that seems to be that seems to be the sticking point more than skin color right now is they want they want Peter to be in high school again. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you and I would both agree that Peter's youth is a far more I mean, like an infinitely more important thing to the character than his race. Absolutely. Um so, you know, with that said, I mean, you know, don't cast a 30-year-old and tell me he's 16. <laughs> <laughs> His mustache might give him away. Don't, don't, don't cast uh, Ralph Macchio in Karate Kid 3 and tell me only a year has passed since Karate Kid 1. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miyagi! <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> let's put a link. I'll put a link into the article and you can check it out if you haven't already read it. Um, and uh, I thought it was a great conversation, even from people who might not agree. Like, you know, it's, it's nice to engage, and it's, it's really just all about introspection. Like, I'll admit it. When I think of Peter Parker, I think of a white guy. And it's worth me – it's worth the time and consideration for me to think about why is that? Like, why do I associate that, and why do I feel like I need that? And then how would other people feel? And, and I think that's the point of any – good article is to get you to think a little bit about yourself and how you respond to things. Right. Introspection, Mark. I know. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I think you said it all, Dan. And meanwhile, I feel like I just came up with a new movie dare for you. (laughs) Karate Kid 3. Karate Kid 3. What what about Karate Kid Part – was it Karate Kid Part 2 or the, the the New Beginning? Which one? The with new the Karate girl. Kid with Hillary Swank? Yes, with Academy Award winner, kid. with two-time Academy Award winner uh, Hillary Swank? Yes, that's the one I'm referring to. No, I mean, yeah, I actually think Karate Kid 3 is worse than wow. the new Karate Kid. Okay. I think in large part because of how they cast Ralph Macchio as like a 19-year-old, even though he was like 40 in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Karate Kid Hour. Hello, <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Um, anything else on the news front, Dan? No, we just want more Karate Kid, Mark. Can you give us more Karate Kid commentary? Uh, uh, I, I need to think of some quotes. Give me, give, give me some time. Maybe, maybe in the our, our Uncle Ben moment. <laughs> All right. Well, so <laughs> let's talk about a, a classic comic that we both love. Uh, the conclusion, really to the story we've been talking about over these past several episodes in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, number 38. Spinning redemption, winding in and winding out. The 
Yeah, so, um, Dan, of course, we, we, we did select this issue because even though it's separated from the end of the coming hallmark by a good two issues, one of which being the 9-11 issue and one kind of almost being a prologue uh, to this issue, this this comic, for all intents and purposes, is kind of like the epilogue of coming home, right? I mean, is that, is, does that sound fair? I mean, it, it's a little fuzzy math how we got there, but it's an epilogue. I mean, really, the only, like, thing that we miss if we were to go from one issue to the next is that Aunt May went to the park for a while to think it over. And, exactly. Um, I think issue 37 is a really beautiful issue, um, but you could read 38 on its own as a conclusion to the past story, and you wouldn't really miss anything. Exactly. And, you know, for for, for those – for the uninitiated folks, this, this comic is, of course, known as The Conversation – and this is the comic where, um, after years and years, you know, brushing aside the fake reveal that we got in Amazing Spider-Man number 400 when Aunt May was on her deathbed but was actually replaced by an actress and Aunt May was kidnapped with a bomb in her head. That happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that happened. I want to get uh, you drunk and have you explain that story to a stranger. <laughs> We can do that. That that'd be good podcasting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no. So finally, we get the actual Peter is is cornered by Aunt May because she found him lying in bed after his battle at Moreland with his tattered Spider-Man costume next to him. And you know, it's like, okay, this is it. No more lies. You're Spider-Man. We need to talk about this. What I and, love is leading up to this. Pete has no clue. He's yep. it's classic Peter Parker, just kind of like bumbling around. But it's kind of it's charming that he he's like worrying about everybody else and like what if this, what if this? And his like mind goes to the worst places possible. Yeah, it's like I have six months to live, and it's like Doc Ock has six months to live, let's get cake or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doc Ock has six months to live and is going to replace your your body with his. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Who this would is where Dan that? Slot pops in and says, See, we've been planning it for hundreds of issues. It's the long game, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> the long game. Um but um yeah, I mean this is again, I mean I I feel like I've said this every time in the second half of our podcast, but this is one of my favorite issues. I mean, you, I mean, you want to talk about character and, and really, I mean, like Straczynski just takes the, 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 the 40 plus years at this point of these two characters and just lays it all out there. References stuff from the Dick Lee years, you know, may being so frail that Peter thought the, the news would just shock her into a heart attack. That she would kneel over and die. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I liked the, you know, the, there's a line that May drops in there about, you know, all the time we lost to a lie, which I just, I mean, again, Straczynski from a from a writing standpoint, it was just so money during this era. I mean, like these, these you know, the ele- the elegance of the, the dialogue that he wrote. I just, I, I, I think the only writer whose dialogue holds up just to Straczynski's is like stern, maybe. You know what I mean? Like it's just – it's really astounding. Yeah. Uh, although Straczynski's I think is even more grounded than Stern's. Yeah. It's I, a I different think, flavor. 
Yeah, I, agreed. I mean, Stern kind of has more. I mean, Stern Stern knows he's writing a superhero comic. You know what I mean? Which is, I, I think, maybe why I think ultimately I like Stern more than Straczynski, or at least the good Straczynski, <laughs> pre yeah. pre sins past Straczynski. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I mean, like, but in terms of just sheer elegance and 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 really hitting on pathos and emotion and a humanity. I mean, Straczynski just is, is, you know, all up and down in the story. I mean, what, 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 what are some of your favorite parts there, Dan? Well, a lot of it is like, I love Peter's dawning, like realization that, um, you know, he kind of, at the beginning, he can't really conceive that he might be the reason for Anne May's pain, that he might be responsible to her. Um, and, and, you know, Obviously, one of the one of the best things is like you know the the time lost to the lie, and I love that Aunt May is more offended that Peter has lied to her than that he's Spider Man, and it really is moments like these that like when people say Peter is you know, is infallible, like he's not because there's no clear answer to most of life's problems, and you know Peter thinks he's doing the best here by not telling her, but. You can just see how much pain she's in when she realizes how much she's been lied to. Um, and I think what's so wonderful with this issue is through that process, this is JMS's declaration that Aunt May is a new character. Like, this will be the best written this version of Aunt May will ever be. Yeah. And he's just making a, like a broad declaration here. Like, this is something – this is new and this is my redefinition of her. Um, and pro- this yeah. is probably her best issue as Aunt May, um, in maybe the entire series. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I was I was actually about to say, you know, fans of Aunt May were probably you know in their glory during the, during this era because you had Straczynski writing her for six one six, and then you had Ultimate Aunt May, which I I would I would say I I prefer Ultimate Aunt May to six one six Aunt May. She's such a complicated complicated character. The therapy scenes are intense yeah i mean i feel like bendis really nailed that character and it was you know yeah you know i think that was one of the things that you know that they got right in the mark webb movie series was that you know they kind of went the ultimate route with with aunt may with sally fields casting so at least in the, uh, at least in the first movie they did a good job of it yeah i mean there were elements of it in the second but not she as has much, a nice but. scene like yeah like, you're uh, my like boy in an island on an island like yeah not literally but yeah. That would be strange, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this is this is in terms of six one six. This is Aunt May's shining hour. Um, the I thought you were gay exchange. I mean, for any, how great was that? I mean, it's just like I don't know. Like I, I've always kind of gone back and forth with that line. Like, oh, you know, is that is that too on the nose of a joke? But. No, I I think that works, right? Well, I like it because that actually happened to me in my in real life. Yeah, I mean, it, it's never happened to me per se, but like I know people like me where that's happened, and so I mean, I, you know, Dan, not for nothing. Like I, have, I have a feeling we have a couple of listeners out there who are probably in the same boat as that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of comes with our territory for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's the reading books about guys in tights. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but okay. 
one of the things that's interesting in this in this comic that is kind of controversial, though I don't really hear people like getting into fights about it, but reading it reminded me that there's a pretty big retcon in mm-hmm. this book, but it's the kind of retcon that like I'm okay with uh, because it makes the story more interesting. Um, yeah. Are, are we Mark, talking do about – Do you want to spell it out for us? I was going to say, are we talking about May's uh, recollection of her role in Uncle Ben's death? Yes. Yeah. that I mean the two of them had a fight um, and he kind of – you know took off for a walk and, you know, cause he, you know, wanted to cool off and that's when he's shot and killed by the burglar. Right. Uh, Why is my, that a retcon Mark? If you want to spell it all. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it would, it would be, well, amazing fantasy 15. They don't necessarily, do they, do they sign, do they specify in amazing fantasy 15 that the shooting happened in the house? I guess it did because the, the cops are outside the house, right? Right. Yes. And there, and Peter goes in the house to find out. I mean, I know amazing Spider-Man 200 definitely shows it in the house. Yes. But and, they also and have, why did he get shot in the house, Mark? If, because if the burglar's searching for treasure. <laughs> yes, there is, there is treasure buried in the basement of the Parker house. See, to me, that's a more offensive retcon than this. Right. Than, this this is, is more interesting. Yeah, like this, this, is, this has humanity to it. The other is, a, is an absurd plot twist. That, oh, the, the idea being that both of them have like uh, quietly sh- shouldered th- what they think is their responsibility for Uncle Ben's death. Um, yes. And I think that's really touching that like neither of them wanted to tell the other one for the pain it might cause them. Um, and they have both endured their own version of guilt from this one moment. I, I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just, just exactly. Uh, yeah. It beats buried treasure. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Another wonderful That's thing about I- this is, as anybody's mother would do, Aunt May is like loving, but she's still not accepting of Spider-Man. Right. She's like, "Look, I love you, but that's that I'm not going to like really be 100% behind that." Yeah. So do we want to talk about the the what I viewed as the meta movie reference? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you know, not so, something that I picked up on, but Mark had to explain this to me. Well, this is this is my interpretation. I could be dead wrong, but um, you know, there's once once kind of May and Peter hash it out, and May expresses her, you know, disapproval yet, you know, resigned to acceptance acceptance of this whole thing. You know, she's like, well, so how did this all happen? And Peter's like, well, that's a long story. And then the, the, the narration says two hours and 37 minutes later. And I said, oh, I kind of saw that as a reference to the movie. Like, like how long, you know, like Spider-Man's origin being told as a movie, which, you know, this, this comic, I believe, came out a few months before Raimi's Spider-Man came out. Now, Raimi's Spider-Man is, as, as Dan pointed out, did not run for two hours and 37 minutes. It ran for about two hours and five minutes or something like that. So was you know was this maybe an exact reference probably not but i mean i kind of saw it as an allusion to the fact that you know this movie was being made i mean at this point i'm sure it was being edited and you know people associated with the character knew what was going on um yeah it's it's a funny uh take on that because it's weirdly specific and 
when I, when I read it, I was like, I wonder why he chose that time. It could be arbitrary, but I like your interpretation. Yeah, I mean, I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't be out of the ballpark for for him to do that. He references all kinds of things. Yeah, and and you know, Straczynski is certainly somebody who you know knows about. TV and, and cinema and writing for them and, you know, how long a story like that might take to be told, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so that's my, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right. So uh, anybody knows JMS and wants to ask him about this, be our guest. I'm sure he, will, I'm sure he will not tell you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't strike me as the type to like talking about Spider-Man A anymore. magician doesn't tell you how his tricks are done. Well, I think ever since he got into his big fight with Wacker on Facebook, they don't. He doesn't really talk about Spider-Man anymore. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, the yeah. whole like sales charts. Yeah. Good job, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have no further commentary on this, but I just wanted to throw out there how Ramita put Peter in a turtleneck. I don't know. Why not? Anybody? Why not? Right. <laughs> It's an interesting costume choice. I don't know. <laughs> what does it mean, Dan? I, I, you know, when I think of my Peter Parker, I don't think of turtlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's worn turtlenecks before. Has he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that must have been some Even radical... in Amazing Spider-Man 700, he wears a turtleneck. Well, Amazing Spider-Man 700, that's like... You know, you, the world is a completely different place by that point. But certainly, like Dicko Lee, you know, my Spider-Man. You know, don't give me some radical Spider-Man with turtlenecks and beatnik things. What about a mustache? Oh my God! Have we ever gotten a mustached Peter Parker? We've gotten a bearded Peter Parker. Yeah, when was that? I'm trying to remember. Was that um? Well, Why a am number, I thinking that's a number like, of times? Was I think that like Paul the, Jenkins? Was he in a beard? Yes, he had a beard in Paul Jenkins. I think during the Goblin story. Yes, the yeah. first one, right? Mm-hmm. The one with Buckingham on art, right? Right. So Mark Buckingham, yeah. Well, he, he's British, so what do you expect? No appreciation. <laughs> no appreciation for what Peter Parker should be. There you go. Um, <laughs> if we get a British Peter Parker, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> What, is he going to be drinking tea? Lord, everybody knows he's a coffee guy. He spent so much time with the coffee bean. Yeah, and don't talk to me about Irish bacon or British (laughs) bacon. It's not even bacon. It's ham. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think think that's about time for us to say goodbye. (laughs) Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at my website, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure to leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And like we did today, we'll read it on the air. Of course, if you have any opinions on these comics that we talked about today or any questions, be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. We love getting your emails, so make sure you send us uh, a couple questions if you have any. Or make some up, even. Right, Mark? <laughs> Just make them up. Just make them up. <laughs> Where do questions come from? Go to the question uh, store. There you go. There you and, go. Uh, you know, also be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing. 
because they are great places to keep up with us in between shows, as Dan and I will often talk about Karate Kid 3, Irish Bacon, and Spider-Man articles that we've written. But mostly uh, Karate Kid 3 and Irish Bacon. Right, and how Karate Kid 3 is, is better than the next Karate Kid. Okay, okay, hold on, gun to your head. Karate Kid 3 or uh-huh. Irish Bacon? Uh, I, I, we're saying whichever I say is the one I'd rather have, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. What are you? Gonna, Irish, what are you going to eat? Irish bacon. You're going to do Irish, Irish bacon because it's still a pork product, and I prefer pork products to Crowdy Kid Three. <laughs> <laughs> this is an important fact we've just established about yeah. you, Mark. <laughs> I'm a man who thinks with his stomach. What can I say? <laughs> um, if you ask me, Crowdy Kid Three or Rocky Five, I'd have a harder one to go back to a. Conversation we had a few podcasts ago. <laughs> it's just turning into like like bad movies of Mark's childhood. The podcast. Well, come on, you're the right person to have these conversations. That is true. I don't, that is I don't true. know if our I don't know if our audience appreciates. To be it, honest, but... I've seen neither. What? What? Oh my! Oh, Dan, come on, yeah. movie dare. Can I come? Can I be the guest on that podcast when you do those those movies? Yeah, yeah, you, you name it. I, I I would totally come on to like make fun of those movies with you guys. <laughs> <Awesome>. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, so check out those Facebook pages for all those great things, and also don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club that helps support our show and tries to trip me up every time I say it. Awesome, Dan. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, of course, uh, like you just said, you can check out my new podcast, the Movie Dare podcast. And uh, we had a great episode this past week uh, where we discussed Stephen King's Thinner, the movie, and uh, had a special guest, Ben Popick, who's a director and, and I guess, YouTube celebrity on to talk about it. And I'll tell you what, I laughed my way through this whole recording. It was just so hilarious. So... Come and join us as we make fun of really bad movies. And um, you can find out uh, more information about that and follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gvazdan. And uh, you can follow me on my Spider-Man Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk and visit my website, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. How about you, Mark? What's going on with you on uh, your website this week? You know, Dan, I got to say, when I hear you talking about how much fun you're having on your other podcasts, it's just kind of like hearing about you know, an ex-girlfriend going out with another guy and having a great time. Mark, so, Mark, Mark. I, I just, asked I, these guys mar- long before I met you. Well, you know, yeah, but who do you love more, Dan? <laughs> this is my podcast. I love Rock- the movie Dare, but this is my podcast. Rocky Five or Mark Janakia? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I mean, look, I already know I don't like you, and I haven't seen Rocky Five, so there's some hope there. Yeah, exactly. There's I might hope. have to go with the Rocky Five. <laughs> okay. Well, while you're while you're spurning me for Rocky Five, you can find me, of course, at www.chasingamazingblog.com. Um, we're getting close to the end of our brand new day retrospective. We've had a couple of interruptions with you know all you know the kind of weird pacing of new comics that have been coming out from the Spider Office. Have you noticed that, Dan? It's like. We go two weeks without them, and then like we get four in a week. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. I, I, I really wish that you know 
this like Niccolo just like you know rubber stamp everything in one day or something <laughs> like at the end of the month <laughs> like oh crap <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> um anyway um but we're, we're wrapping up brand new day and I'm probably going to continue with some more stories um from the post you know brand new day on the front cover era but I I think you know just just to give people a heads up of what's coming next I I, I'm, I might be inclined to do something with um some gang gang street level stories to kind of tie into um whatchamacallit spiral coming out from jerry conway in a couple weeks so just just be on the lookout for that um probably stuff we'll talk about on the podcast i imagine dan right yeah absolutely um and of course you can follow me on twitter at chasing asm blog and you can find all my listicles of of comics and comic book related media at comicbook.com Mark, uh, I, I hear that you bumped into Mr. Miyagi this past week. <laughs> We're still going with this, aren't we? Um, yeah. I I'm not stopping. I, I, I went to Mr. Miyagi and I was like, you got to teach me some karate, Mr. Miyagi. I'm getting beat up by Johnny. And Mr. Miyagi was like, Mark son, I'm not Mr. Miyagi. I'm your Uncle Ben. And you just got to remember, sweep the leg. And with great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk. 